ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, even though I said boys and girls, so that's totally redundant. Anyway, welcome <laughs> to the Mountain Podcast. My name is Donovan, your host with the most, and always with me is my good friend and lead pastor of the Mountain Church, Samuel Paul Bernard Roger Goulet. What's up, buddy? Hey, friend. How you doing? Good. We haven't had a discussion in a while. Yeah. Well, it's been nice not talking to you. That's... No, that's mean. My gosh. Every I, time we mean. have a discussion. I know it's mean. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Forgiven. See that? That's reconciliation. But not forgotten. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we have a this very is why we brought a counselor on this today. Is, this is. A therapist. We have a special guest with us today. She has been a guest on this show before. She's mm-hmm. one of our favorites to have on. The wonderful... The magnificent Isabel Parker. Yeah. Hey, hey, hey. Hi, Isabel. <laughs> Do we say that to every guest we have on? One of our favorites to have on? Probably. N- nope. No. No. <laughs> I've said it about two. <laughs> <laughs> one of them's not Lawrence. <laughs> yeah. He's our least favorite. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I love Lawrence. What's not to love? <laughs> well, we're here. Um, we, I asked Isabel to come on the show today to talk about something that... Um, I've always heard about and sort of talked about, but really want to understand more of what it is and how we reconcile with this. And that's a uh, church hurt and how as a society and as people who go to church, how do we get over church hurt and what is a culture of having a mentally healthy mind look like, look like in a church setting and, uh, as we're partnering with people, community, and even with Jesus, what does mental health look like in that medium? So that's a very loaded question. Yeah, no, for sure, <laughs> for sure. I, I mean, I know that a lot of people have experienced church hurt before, but what does church hurt look like? Actually, there's a Samuel's going to love this phrase because I know he's really into this catchword of trauma lately. But there's actually <laughs> like a line of. Um, therapy that people are actually being trained in what we call spiritual trauma. Yeah. So because spirituality is such a delicate thing and your relationship with God and how you're growing in that and what that looks like is probably the most vulnerable area people have and a way that people can abuse their power significantly. If they say God said or the Bible says, it very easily can manipulate and control people, right? So Mm -hmm. there's all different levels. We call a lot of different things spectrums. So there's obviously a spectrum of trauma or you're probably church hurt is probably on the lower side. If you're calling it Mm -hmm. church hurt, you're probably on the lower side. On the total opposite side, you'll have like cult, right? Yeah. Cults base that belief that I can manipulate you with one of your closest, most intimate parts of your life and control you, mind control you, and that causes major spiritual trauma. And then you have um, sexual abuse by pastors or priests, you know, and those kind of things. So, but oftentimes those things are being used and they're using God and they're, they're actually using the Bible yeah. to manipulate and control those people. So when you're talking about church hurt, there's a huge spectrum of what church hurt can look like. You have all the way from cult to sexual abuse, all the way down to, you know, I'm offended by somebody correcting me or telling me I shouldn't wear this or, you know, different things like that. So you're talking about a huge spectrum of things just in one podcast, by the way. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Hey, I'm opening up this can of worms. It's a four-hour marathon podcast. Come on, let's go. Four hours. A four-hour podcast. That would be It's like Joe Rogan. On church shirt, I'd have church shirt by the end of it. (laughs) (laughs) I think think it's impossible for people to not have church shirt. Ooh, interesting. Yeah. Tell me about that. Well, I think we're all humans, right? Mm -hmm. And so to me, the church is a lot like a family. Mm -hmm. 
And except what happens is we go into this family expecting everybody to be perfect and to be better than. And a lot of times we're all just the most broken people trying to get along and trying to do things together. So we're yeah. gonna get hurt. Yeah. Period, right? Just yeah. like we do in a family. The problem is our expectations are further apart than with our family. In our family we know, like a lot of us will know, oh, there's abuse, there's arguments, there's disagreement, there's, oh, I'm avoiding this person at Christmas or I'm avoiding that person at Easter, right? Or yeah. don't ask this person to cook because they're not very good. We, we like, but right, <laughs> we have this expectation that family is messy. Yeah. The problem is when you walk into the church, your expectation is different than what it is when you walk into a family. Yeah. But wait, they're Christians, they're not supposed to. Yeah. When we're all just in process of getting better. Yeah. We're all just in process of trying to become Christ-like in our fallible ways. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. For me, I, I guess I've always seen it as the the path of love isn't devoid of like being hurt mm-hmm. and trying to love really well. It it introduces you to opportunities where people can hurt, mm-hmm. and then you're going to have to process those those hurts. I remember growing up because we're pastors' kids, you know, um, growing up thinking, why are all these people leaving? If only my parents had done this different, they wouldn't leave. Mm. They, it, I could see what they were doing, and it's hurtful, and if only they had done it better, they wouldn't leave. Well, I'll tell you, <clears throat> now having been in the ministry or in the help industry for a long time, it's like you help at thinking, on my side of the road, I'm loving the best that I can yeah. to my best ability. I loved on this person. I, they were broken. I spent countless of hours on them. I thought we were good. And then they still left like offended. Yeah. And I was like, wait, this can happen to me? Mm-hmm. I thought it was because they weren't doing this wrong. Yeah, they weren't doing it they well. were. I'm sorry. Yeah, they weren't yeah. doing it right. They yeah. were doing it wrong. And I'm not saying that we can't all improve as leaders or as people trying to help, but they're also, we're helping broken people that will yeah. interpret us certain ways no matter what we do too, you know? Yeah, sometimes it can be misinterpretation. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's really accurate interpretation. It is, absolutely. Yeah. And sometimes I'm not good for somebody's brokenness. Yeah. My personality, my brokenness really just, you know... <laughs> attract somebody that hurt that gets really hurt by that or whatever yeah. so it, there's a, it's very complex but that's why i think most people have had some church hurt so then how do we change the culture or the 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 what's perceived as i go to a church this guy's a pastor this yeah. lady's a pastor they're going to help me fix all my problems oh i don't have access to them they're not fixing my problems. What the heck? I'm here. You said you were a shepherd of this house. I'm a sheep. What's going on? I'm out of here. I'm going somewhere else. How do we change the mindset or maybe even change the narrative of the, the how the world views that sort of um, approach to what a, going to a church looks like and actually being a part of community looks like? Well, <laughs> yeah. So I actually think it starts from the top down. So like in my ministries and where I'm ministering, I'm always very, very vulnerable and not like a fake vulnerable, sure. not like, oh, I told you a juicy story so you think you actually like know me. I'm very like, this is my weakness. And so if you're expecting this from me, I probably am going to fail you because it's not in my, you know, in my wheel right now yeah. or in my time frame. So I'm like very, very vulnerable with those that work with me and those that I work with. Like even as a therapist, it's very much, I'm not the expert in your life. Yeah. 
And oftentimes people are looking for you to make the decisions for them, for you to tell them what is right and wrong. And a lot of pastors and leaders will take that on. And you know what they're actually doing is they're setting themselves up to be the bad guy. Because if that person does X, Y, Z that you told them to, and it doesn't turn out like it did for you, you're, the, you're in trouble. Yeah. Well, you told me. Well, you said. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes we're not really in those person's shoes. So like I've heard people say, I went to this pastor with marital problems and this pastor told me to go back home. And what wasn't being told because the pastor didn't have the knowledge or understanding to read between the lines, which they shouldn't, they're, they're not, you know, so magicians, there abuse going right? On. There was abuse going on, yeah. physical abuse. And they told the person to go back to the home. That person ended up in the hospital that night, yeah. right? But they're telling off of their own experience. Their own experience is, hey, my wife and I do well, or I as a wife do well when I submit or love to my husband, right? Or if I just honor him and respect him. But they're not realizing there's other things going on. But that's where we get ourselves in trouble when we say, hey, I, I am the answer. I know the answers of God. Where I'm like, hey, collaboratively, I think we all hold a piece of what God's trying to speak to us. But oftentimes as pastors or leaders, we say like, we are... And we set a precedent. Yeah. Right? If we set the expectation lower, <laughs> people are less likely to be hurt by it. The uh, pastoral care conversation is really interesting because, uh, and I'm in my master's right now, and I'm taking a class on pastoral care. Mm. And uh, yeah, it's really exciting. He's stuff. very fancy. You're very fancy. <laughs> uh, and uh, I actually realized, first paper I did, I realized how much how many thoughts I had about it because mm. they asked me to write three pages and I wrote four, which that is nonsense for me. I have three <laughs> kids and almost a fourth on the way. That was something I don't do. Right. If you ask me for three, I do three well, and then that's it. I don't yeah. know out. Dude, you're a writer, man. You're a writer Come deep on, down man. inside. And, uh, but anyways, I'm writing on this thing, and I'm realizing like the classical education interpretation of the pastor's role and I'm, I'm realizing why church culture is the way it is, as I'm reading textbooks and I'm listening to professors talk about uh, the perspective of a pastor. And I'm like, wow, this is why right. people think about pastors the way they do, Yeah, is because if you're a sheep and I'm a shepherd, right. and then you think of yourself as a sheep and me as the shepherd, that means that you, your direction where you live, yep. everything about you is controlled by the shepherd. Mm-hmm. And the symbolism of a pastor as being a shepherd wasn't supposed to be something that was dictating control or that even defined people as sheep, mm-hmm. meaning they're, that, that sheep aren't smart. Sheep are basically just, right? So, mm-hmm. so Vulnerable. Vulnerable, uh, can't, can't uh, manage themselves well, can't uh, protect themselves, can't... Uh, choose powerfully and greatly. And I go, this is so interesting. Uh, Like any analogy overextended begins to lose its value. Uh, So if I say, hey, you're just like a tree, that works in some senses where, you know, it's, right. it's good for you to take right. root. It's yeah. good for you to, you know, understand the seasons. But I could also be stagnant. Yeah, absolutely. So <laughs> I that, don't move. So there's, yeah, exactly. Or like, well, I'm, I'm a tree, so I can never leave this place. Situation, I'm in. And yeah. This situation, right. I have to stay and to, to I got to gotta grow where I've been planted. Yeah. And so some analogies, you, you just, you, it's not good to extend them. And, and the analogy that. for the pastor is for uh, in care, in the care aspect of the church culture 
is to understand some are hurting, right. some cannot protect themselves, and some... Some. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and, and others aren't like that. And you your approach should be different mm-hmm. with them. And so I, I think it's really interesting. And the point the, is not to keep them a sheep if they are vulnerable. The yeah. point is to meet needs, right? The widows, the hurting, those that are vulnerable, mm-hmm. that cannot take care of themselves. You help care for them until they can. Yeah. And so it, it can it can be a really healthy perspective for a pastor to understand it's important for me to care, especially for those who can't care for care themselves. Care is different than telling you what to do, too. Control and things. Right? Yeah. Like, care is different than shaming people because they can't care for themselves. Mm-hmm. Right? Care are meeting needs. Care is compassion. Care is sympathy. Empathy, right? Yeah. Care is not, well... You know, if you had just done this, you wouldn't be in this place. Yeah, yeah. Or if you just do this, you'll be in a different place. That's not always true for everybody. Yeah. So the question that that Don asked that triggered this thought for me was, is well, how do we change this? Right. And I think actually in a lot of ways that uh, the growing understanding of of the culture of health to be healthy, the the empowering concepts and approaches are becoming. Uh, much greater understood and taught beyond the simple role of pastor or shepherd, mm-hmm. which I think right. is really important because I think a big answer to this dynamic is to uh, empower mm-hmm. and to have a culture that is empowered, a people that are empowered are no longer sheep in a sense, um, but have the access points and really the permission uh, and the partnership for for leadership, whether it be a pastor or a counselor or a leader, to say, I'm with you, not for you to maintain a place of hurting vulnerability that can't right. uh, be powerful, but I'm with you in that, sp- in that place. I'm present yep. in an unconditional way, but also I would love to partner with you to reach this place, right. you know, and being really open with that and being really transparent with that and being really intentional with that begins to access different postures as a person. Well, you know, that's why Luther left the Catholic Church, right? Is they weren't even given access to the scripture yeah, to or, because that was the the power. Well, we're still oftentimes looking at pastors the same way they did with the priests there. People are wanting to be fed, to be directed, to wanting to be totally cared for and not empowered. And I think that that's where, that's why I said, I think it's a top down. If you have pastors who want to say, no, I don't want to step into that role of telling you what to do and acting like I have all the answers for you because you're fallible human beings too, as leaders, right? I'm a fallible, fallible is the right word, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Infallible is God. Yeah. Right? So we're fallible. We're, We're full of errors we're full of weaknesses right and so i don't want someone i'm a a pastor so so you're not not, right but the minute a pastor takes a position (laughs) that they are i think it helps the people to be more empowered because a lot of pastors find their um identity and people coming to them that way sure absolutely and therapists too so i'm going to throw me in the hat too like therapists i see a lot of therapists that don't want to um, I don't want my clients to need me. Yeah. My goal is to empower them, to strengthen them, to help them see like what God has given them, what's innately mm-hmm. in them that mm-hmm. needs to come out, not mm-hmm. what 
I want them to do, mm-hmm. not for my agenda, not yeah. for people to say, oh, look at Isabel's a great therapist. This person overcame. No, because like you are going to be so much better and you're going to be more productive yeah. for you, for the church, for everything. If you don't need me. Yeah. That's how I feel like pastors should feel. Yeah. But I don't it, know if all of them it's, feel that It's way. how we were designed too. Yeah. yeah. It's to, yeah. This, this place of truly realizing the power over your choice the power over your love, the power over your uh, place of, of, of belonging, of connection, that's, that's the, the really healthy place. A healthy place can't be realized without realizing the power of self. Mm-hmm. Um, it, that's why I think a lot of the empowerment is important for church hurt, because church hurt really thrives when, when, um, when uh, people uh, experience it in a, in a victim sense, in a this happened to me, I cannot believe that, and why would they? And, and the injustices mm-hmm. cycle over mm-hmm. and over again in the heart and in the mind. And, and they can be very real. Mm-hmm. So this isn't to say that they're they're fictitious or they're not real. They could be very real. It's just the and choice to respond. all hurt, what I've realized is a lot of people think the hurt is at them. Yeah. It's about them, right? Yeah. Like, it was intended for yeah. you. Samuel, I'm doing this to hurt you. Like, I'm doing <laughs> this... Right with what I found in most people is that hurt that was created in the person was never like about them. Someone could even say this is about you, but usually it's about their own brokenness and what's going on inside of them. Yeah, and it made them retaliate. Right. Yeah. Or it made them try to protect themselves. Or you know, there's just all kinds of things. But I find this happens in marriages. This happens in churches. You know what I mean? But Mm -hmm. again. In a marriage, you have expectations that you're going to have these kind of conflicts. In a church, when someone said, I'm a spiritual authority over you, yeah. there's an expectation that's set that creates a bigger dissonance, right? Yeah. yeah. A bigger hurt. Because, yeah. wait, you are supposed to be better holier, than, over than, better yeah. than author- spiritual authority. You're supposed to be speaking God's word over me. You're supposed to be speaking God's yeah. purpose over me. That's a huge that's huge. Honestly, that's why I never want to be a pastor. Yeah. That responsibility to me is so heavy. No, really. I'm just being real. Yeah. Sorry, is that too much for this no, podcast? Not, <laughs> nope, no. not at all. When I realized the intense responsibility of that, I was like, I, I can't do that. I'm too imperfect. Like, yeah. I do not want anybody looking at me as the person to speak spiritual, you know? Yeah. But you touched up on something that I thought was really cool. It's like, like willing to be vulnerable yeah. is so huge. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think community is supposed to take place and help mm-hmm. uh, um, shoulder along with what the pastor is doing or what he's saying or how he's uh, quote unquote shepherding the, the flock or the people. This is where community steps in. You know, someone might go to Samuel and say, hey, I have a problem with X, Y, Z. And Samuel doesn't have the solution to Z, but he definitely knows somebody who's a part of the leadership team and a part of the community that can help with Z. So I think... But if you have a pastor who says, oh, no, I know X, Y, Z. And that's how a lot of them posture themselves. They do. That creates a huge spiritual hurt. 
Did you like her impersonation yeah. of a pastor? Oh, oh no, yeah. no, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but if you think about it, that's what cults were like. Cults yeah, will say, for sure. "This is, and I know, yeah. and I am the spiritual person right. that's supposed to tell you all." And what I see is a spectrum of those kind of things happening, right? Yeah. From small to to all the way to the cult or sp- sexual abuse. And and what I see too is, and it is a, it is a place that a a pastor or a leader of anything has to really embraced a certain degree of humility in that like the whole build of this thing was intended to be diffused across many, not mm-hmm. uh, singular singularity of for singularity of authorship. And, uh, and those notions of singular author and community re- really aren't biblical, even when you look at the Ephesians 4 right. and uh, the, the build of the five, the, the grace given to according gifts, our gifts given to according grace. I mean, grace. even if you look at Jesus yeah. having 12 disciples. Yeah. That's not easy. Yeah, only 11 but also, good ones. <laughs> but he had 12. What I mean is he had, yeah, the, sure. it was a shared leadership. It yeah. wasn't even just Jesus. Well, and even went beyond that yeah. uh, to the hundreds of the masses right. and, and the people that had encounters that stayed in those cities and yeah. converted a bunch of people to uh, being followers of Jesus. But I, in all of that, it does take a very conscious choice. Mm-hmm to diffuse that power mm-hmm. for sure perspective because that power perspective it can be a real asset in in building it really can like if if people I believe say something else no, 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 no. <laughs> if if people believe that i am that kind of powerful yes. that leverage is profound for uh, getting things done for building things, for doing something that would be, and if I have any degree of narcissism or any degree of self, da da da's, then that control helps feed that self. It does. Uh, image, ego, yes. and such. So in some situations, I wouldn't point to anybody as far as without having been an experience with them or being educated in this way to assign that label to someone like a narcissist. But um uh, but in many ways, that that is an experience that can happen. And it's not just in pastoring. It's not no. just in churches. But you can right. experience that in business. You can experience that across the board is the, the choice of a powerful person to diffuse power that shouldn't be theirs or, or credited to them or knowledge credited to them. And to say, that's a great question. I don't know, but let me find out. Right. Let so me connect people, with you to somebody who, who does know. Right. And we believe in you. And there's many people here that love and want to be here for you. And uh, and and that is a, a real conscious decision. It's huge. Yeah. And it would be a lifetime of fighting against that, probably. Yeah. 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 But oftentimes, anybody in a position of power, I think that's what you're relating to. It's mm-hmm. not just pastors, but yeah. people in position of power... Um, that's why they have a choice to make good decisions to diffuse their power yeah. or to abuse their power. So a lot of times when you're in a, um, like when you're in your master's for mental health professions, you're learning about um, white privilege, right? Or male white privilege. Yeah. They're the most privileged. And I recently had interviewed an intern who wanted to come over and, and practice here <laughs> with our clients. And he said, you know, I'm learning a lot about this and it's really interesting. I feel guilty. And I was like, you shouldn't. You should you knowing is important, yeah. And what you do with it is what is wrong or yeah. right. Yeah, it's not that you have it that's wrong. You can't do anything about that, right? 
you can't do anything about that perspective or what people think about that. You, if you're aware, and what do you choose to do with that power yeah. you have? That's a huge thing. That's why it's such a big thing, the Me Too movement, is mm-hmm. what people are realizing is when somebody has significant power and they hold that, yeah. they have a choice. Mm-hmm. Are they using it to gain things for themselves, mm-hmm. to advance their interest, advance their sexual needs, to advance sure. whatever? Sure. Or are they using it for good? Yeah. I, and and the the place of this real conscious choice in a place of power, it's it's actually not easy at times. And even in my experience, there's like three I can think of. Uh, somebody comes to me at church and says, "Hey, what time is this home group at?" Group at? And I go, "I don't know. That's a great question. Let's go look." And then they'll go, "Oh, aren't you aren't you in charge? Since you know, and and it's playful, but in a sense, there is a perspective that. Mm-hmm. Or when I'm with my team. You know, they'll ask me like, hey, what do you what do you think that the phrase should be? I go, I don't know. That's a great question. Well, what do you guys think it should be? Yeah. And when you first start having these kinds of conversations where you're you're sharing opportunity to to author or, or ideas and you're real open like that, initially it could be really surprising to people right. that come from a different uh, relationship with leadership or a, a person or a leader or a powerful person uh, or person in power. It could be different. Yeah. It could be almost even like not know what to do. Yeah. I don't know. I thought you were supposed to tell me what, what to do there. I, yeah. Maybe I should. Maybe I shouldn't. I don't know. But I think I'm open to your ideas. Yeah. What you have to say. And so, but I guess that's to say that, that sometimes even the way people will relate to you will be, they'll expect you to act in a way. Yeah. And, sure. and it's a conscious choice to say, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna meet needs. I'm gonna be present in relationship with people, but I'm not necessarily going to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, is I was at a wedding and somebody asked me to, to bless a unity candle. And uh, I don't bless inanimate objects. You know what I mean? Like it's just not something I really. I don't. I don't have a conviction of. I don't have. I don't. I don't. I'm not gonna pray for wax. Is essentially my thought. You know. <laughs> <laughs> but it's and it's not so much about the wax or anything like that, but just the idea of when somebody asks me to be present in a significant way in relationship with them, mm-hmm. which is pray for this wax. And then I have a choice of, okay, well, how do I handle this? Because my convictions say no. My care for the person says I want to be, I want to be present with them in their place of expectation, yeah. but I don't want to betray convictions and be disingenuous. So what do you think? How do how do I approach something like this? Not necessarily the candle, because I kind of knew what to do there. But but when people have an expectation for me to meet them in that spot, but I don't have a conviction to meet them there. Uh, <clears throat> that's a great question. I think a lot of people, I experience this in therapy a lot, where someone will say, tell me what to do. Right. And our conviction as therapists is we're not supposed to tell people what to do. Yeah. And so... You let them struggle and just yes. really <laughs> <laughs> we may give them options like we'll explore no, sure. options with them but we're not really supposed to give direction like this is what you should do because yeah. again we don't fully no. know everything that's going on with this person um, we can only conceptualize and hypothesize and all that stuff yeah. but what I'll often do is uh, often say is well why is that important for you for me to tell you yeah and that exposes a lot about what's going on with them. Mm-hmm. Well, why are you wanting me to do this? Or why do you want to know if I'm married? Why do you want to know how many kids I have? Because we don't always self-disclose a lot. Mm-hmm. But it's almost like putting something back on people. Well, tell me how you could do that for yourself. Yeah. 
Well, tell me about the resources you have, because a lot of people do like, I know pastors struggle a lot with boundaries, right? Am I present for somebody when they're in a crisis at an evening when I'm with my family? Like, what are my boundaries? Am I a crisis mm. when someone needs a place to live or a place, uh, uh, money or whatever's going on? And maybe the pastor can't meet those needs because yeah. of personal boundaries. It's, well, let's explore that without even answering yes or no. Sometimes it's, let's explore that. Yeah. What are your options? Yeah. And empowering them to see things maybe they weren't able to see before. Yeah. Right. So why is it important for me to pray for this candle? Can I pray for you guys instead? Yeah. You know, I'm not saying that what you should have done, but I'm it's kind of putting questions back on those people. Yeah, absolutely. And and I could see the the significance wasn't the candle, even though that's what they're asking. It it was more of a traditional mindset that would say, hey, I I want you to bless the unity of this marriage. For sure. And and so I, I could totally see that and understand that. But it really had me thinking in a practical way about something that I'll consistently feel like, boy, that's really interesting. I I don't know that I see value in that, but I know a lot of people see value in it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A lot of people see a lot of value in symbolism and different things like that. But it even goes, for me as a pastor, it goes almost one step further that the practices in like a church service, uh, a church service and some of the expectations that somebody can have Mm -hmm. that are meaningful and then some of the expectations that you won't deliver on because you you don't want to or or feel like there's a a need to or whatever the reason may be as a leader or pastor and the way that defines somebody in a place of hurt is really interesting the way they'll choose churches based on that well that's what I was trying to explain earlier I think it's impossible to avoid church hurt I literally had somebody one time come and visit one of our campuses and what they were the most shocked by because they come from a church and a religion that has a lot of crosses around they were shocked by the fact that they could only see one cross in the entire main campus Yeah, and they were like where are all the crosses you're missing and that was what they came out of the service with. Where are the crosses at this church? Mm. So it's impossible for us as pastors or leaders to meet everybody's need and avoid hurt for everybody. Yeah. But we want to empower our parishioners. Is that what you guys call them? Our people? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> to be... Folks, I haven't folks. said parishioners once in my life. <laughs> Not till that just... moment right there. <laughs> well, I don't even know what it means. Say it. I said it. <laughs> but... Um, we want to encourage them to be empowered, to get help, to be okay making decisions on so that some of their needs are met. If somebody is really important to them to see a lot of crosses, they're not going to be at the right campus. I don't think at any of our campuses there's a lot of crosses. But to some people, they really hold on to symbolism. Yeah. I'm not going to put them down for that, but I also may not be able to meet that need. And so I go, hey, it's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, I've had people leave my ministry. I've had people leave... Um, the church yeah. and I've kept friendships with them which was a foreign idea when I was growing up by the way when someone left your ministry like that was it but it was hey if right now what I'm doing isn't meeting your need it's okay that you look elsewhere we are still in community and love each other that's great you know that's so great because it's not about me nope <laughs> being in ministry is not about me and you think that's funny <laughs> I was laughing at the keeping connected with people when they leave your church and staying in relationship. I was laughing at that. Why? Because we were trained not to do that? Oh, I don't know if I was trained. I don't know if I was trained about any of this stuff as much as... I think that a lot of 
pastors and people, I, I think they're trying to like cope. Yeah. Because I, I think it's a really vulnerable spot for somebody who, who I, and, I, and I think legitimately pastors, I, I know a lot of them, they're doing their best. For sure. Like, you know what I mean? Like they're really trying. Yeah. And they're really doing a lot of good, like a lot of good. So I think it's, uh, and I was just talking to a, a pretty big pastor today, and he's, we were just talking about it. And he's like, yeah, dude, it's, it's a vulnerable place. It is, for like, sure. Like, you could have thousands of people in your church. A family leaves, upset. It hurts. It hurts. It's like, and like, you can rationalize all day long. That's five people. There's 10,000 that are happy. Like, and you could do all of that, and you can even have all of these processes in your mind. But, you, you know, the path of love is not, is not empty and devoid of pain in relationship a hundred percent there's pain and i think that that's often they are vulnerable they're saying this has this reflects on me somehow yeah that's what makes it really vulnerable is this reflects on me somehow this this reflects a void in me and i think that's why it hurts so bad because the first few i experienced was like devastating to me yeah and after a while i was like you know what this isn't about me. All I can do is step by step, do what God's asked me to do. Love them the way I know best to love yeah. them. Be honest in my flaws. Yeah. And when they leave, I go, you know what? It's okay. I love you. And you know what's weird is I remember dad doing this, our dad. Mm-hmm. He would be in a restaurant and somebody had left our church. And he would go up and hug on them and love on them. And yeah. like, what are you doing? They left our church. Yeah. We're not supposed to like. He's like, no, you always love people. It's okay, you know. Yeah, yeah. and it's That's not so always good. easy when they leave their church. And sure. sometimes initially we don't feel that way. But the bottom line is, is you choose. It's okay yeah. for somebody to say, all my needs aren't being met here. And I go, hallelujah, I can't meet all your needs. That's the bottom line. Like yep. I cannot be everything to all people. It's yeah. impossible. Yeah, yeah. No, and it's interesting because. Uh, having experienced being pastored in a church growing up in it, having experienced pastoring on a few different, like in a few different expressions mm-hmm. now with youth and with, with the campus, it's, it's a really interesting place. The kind of, you begin to go, oh, that's probably the pressure somebody felt yeah. that caused them to begin to try and control out of fear yeah. or get more out of tithing or offering. And, Oh, like I, right. I, I could see now yeah. some of the like temptations that people find in me in right. pastoring that led them to start behaving in certain ways or start yeah. leaning into certain behaviors. And, and you're like, wow, that's really interesting. Well, I have completely different conversations now with people when they're really hurt than yeah. I did before I was in ministry, because now it's, wait a minute. That's a huge judgment you're putting on that leader. You don't really know their intent. Yeah. You don't really know what they're going through too. Yeah. You know, because sometimes also we have to realize they are human. They're going through their own stuff. They're trying to make their marriages work. They're trying to be great parents to their kids. <laughs> they're trying to provide for their family. They're having conflicts. Like, you know what, you, you know, like we go through some serious things ourselves. We're human, you yeah. know, like People, again, they come in with high expectations. <laughs> they come in with pastors who are good-willed, who are, and I even say as a helper, most people go into help industry are codependent, right? Yeah. Some level of codependency. And codependency looks like I'm supposed to meet everybody's needs. Yeah. 
The problem is, if I came and bring Donna, br- brought Donovan a meal, if I came and brought Donovan a meal because he was sick, he, that may make him feel completely loved, right? And like, wow, Isabel really cares about me. I could bring Samuel a meal, and yeah. he's like, what? You think I can't afford my meal? Yeah. Right? No, yeah. I'm like, I'm yeah. obviously this is a silly example, but yeah. that's what I'm trying to say is like, we can say like, this is how I show love. And to somebody, that could really make them feel love. Yeah. But to another person, it can make them feel completely alienated, upset, yeah, hurt, offended. right? If I give Donovan a big old hug when I see him, I say, hey, how are you doing? He could be like, wow, Isabel really cares about me. I could give Samuel a hug and he'd be like, don't touch me. Yeah. I just got in a car wreck. I'm traumatized. Now you've triggered me. Now I'm upset. Now yeah. I don't ever want to be near you because you totally crossed my physical boundary. Yeah. Yeah. So the whole point is, is you're coming into these positions. Pastors and leaders have lives of their own where they're struggling just to maintain their daily lives. Then they're expected to meet all these needs. They're being hurt. You know what I mean? It's it's kind of like a recipe for disaster. So as much as people in the church are often hurt, pastors and leaders are equally dealing with a lot of hurt. Yeah. No, it's true. This This is such a beautiful conversation to me because I think that any time a conversation about hurt leads me to compassion for all parties involved, I think my heart's going in the right direction. Because compassion doesn't necessarily say that's right what you did or that's no. wrong what you did. No, it doesn't. But, it, but it's moved in your heart for empathy. Yes. And I think that's important for, for all parties that are experiencing this place is to be moved by and to be yeah, motivated, I, I would say, but really to be moved by, because it feels to me like compassion is always an invitation yeah. that I respond to. Yeah. And, uh, and I think that's probably like the, maybe the takeaway on it for me would be, I think that pastors can be moved with compassion, as odd as that sounds, but to be moved with compassion on why people aren't responding, why leadership isn't growing, why people aren't giving, or mm-hmm. why people aren't faithful, or why people are leaving their church. I think being moved with compassion would be a, a very strong healing agent in all mm-hmm. of those times of hurt. And the same goes for anyone that's in the community that's experiencing a lack or a miss with somebody they trusted or, or believed in or wanted mm-hmm. to receive something from to find and access the invitation of compassion and to respond well. It's true. Yeah. I mean, empathy and compassion is huge and it takes away a lot of shame too for people, you know? Yeah. Shame on for the pastors. We want that shame lifted for them. Yeah. There, there's no shame attached to people leaving your church. No. That you're doesn't not mean as a bad leader. No, yeah. it does not mean you're a bad leader. Some great churches, great leaders have had tons of people leave their church. Yeah. And so, it's it and and same with the person that is hurt. It's not at you. There's probably a lot going on with that pastor and his family or those leaders. They're imperfect too. They have yeah. their own traumas, their own issues that make this up. And it's not to say that that person should stay at that church. I'm not even saying that. But even if you leave in a better place of like understanding like, hey, where they're at right now, I'm not receiving what I need. It's okay. They leave better. They leave yeah. better. And it's great to leave better. Yeah. So with that said, we are out of time here. Yeah. We are. We are could we like probably, half an hour over time? <laughs> no, we could probably discuss this for another 50 minutes for sure. But yeah. um, I, I want to end with this. Um, compassion and being empowered yeah. are the, the, the key things that I would take out of this. So yeah. um, we want to thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, if you have any questions, I'm going to leave an email 
in the description for this podcast. If you have any questions or want more understanding and maybe a subject we can even bring up on the podcast, let us know. We want to hear from you. But until then, I want to thank Isabel for coming uh, today. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, and Sam, love you, buddy. Love you, bud. You're a good pastor, man. Yeah, love you, man. I'm not leaving. You're, you're perfect. Right. I love you, buddy. Love you. You're like love Mary you guys. Poppins. He's Mary Poppins. Practically Mary Poppins. perfect <laughs> in every way. Mary Poppins. <laughs> we'll talk to you guys next time.